As I rode beside the town wall, I kept glancing back toward the north gate. It was only a matter of time before the stablemaster noticed that Dunsid was not in her stall. It could happen any moment, but with luck, it would not. If the Baron's Feast of Beltana, the celebration full of honeyed maid and roast venison, was long and loud, no one would be checking the barns until tomorrow morning. When the stablemaster did notice, he would search, I was sure. He would be desperate to find Dunsid. If we managed to get well away before he saw us, our chances of disappearing were fairly good, or so I hoped. He would ask who had seen us, of course. But he would be asking after a Norman boy named Trian and a moon-hued filly. And Dunsid and I weren't either of those things. Not anymore. Dunsid's coat was dyed brown now, thanks to old Bridget's pots of bogberry powder. And I didn't look like a Norman boy anymore. My hair was growing out, braided beneath a laced hood, and I was wearing old Bridget's blue-green wedding dress. The full skirt draped over Dunsid's hindquarters. Beneath it was a carry sack. My cloak, my two linen lincha, one old and one nearly new, and the beautiful little gold pin I had found at home were in it. So were a few balls of hard cheese and oat cakes Bridget had given me. I would not be hungry for a while, at least. The papal I recognized from Athenry probably thought I was some strange Norman girl who had come from Galway with her family to see the horse race. The Irish people who had come would think I lived in Athenry, if anyone bothered to have a thought about me at all. Once we were past most of the crowd, my stomach knots loosened, a little, and I began to listen to what people around us were saying. Dunsid was content to walk slowly, carrying her head lower than usual, her tail switching at the noontime flies. A yearling filly, I heard one man say, shaking his head. Just a yearling, and she beat them all. I pressed my lips together to keep from smiling. I fixed my eyes straight ahead and rode slowly, as though I had nowhere at all to go. Then, as Dunsid carried me quietly along the edge of the crowds, I saw Cormac at a distance. He turned and looked my way. I felt his gaze like the touch of a hand on my shoulder, and I looked away, quickly, hoping he had not recognized me, dressed as a Norman boy in the race. He couldn't know that I had followed Dunsett here to Athenry Town. He would not be looking for me. I kept my face turned away from Cormac and rode on, holding my breath, hoping he would not know me, or, if he did, that he would not call out. I wished I could just go talk to him. Cormac had known me for what I truly was, an Irish girl from a poor Tua, who wore plain lincha woven from flax thread, with long, unruly hair, and a love for horses that I could not hide. He had liked me enough to help me try to escape. He had known Dunsid as herself, too. A tall, graceful filly the colour of the moon, as she had looked in the race that very morning. I knew he wouldn't recognise her at this distance, 
through the crowds and commotion, her coat dyed bogberry brown. So long as nothing set him wandering, and he did not make a point of getting closer. So I rode on. I glanced back only once, veering toward the woods. When I did, Carmack was no longer looking my way. I was both relieved and disappointed. This was the truth. I liked Carmack a great deal. I liked him in that silly, flushed cheeks way that I had always made fun of, and never would again. I couldn't, not now that I understood how it felt. He had been very kind to me, and had given Dunsid her name. I hoped I would see him again one day. Even though he had once caused me trouble without meaning to, but in all likelihood, I would not.